Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club, the place investors go to learn tips, tricks, and stories from other investors in the field. If you feel we provide a value to you, go ahead and hit that thumbs up, share, whatever it may be. And if you'd like for us to cover a specific topic, let us know in the comments or reach out to us through our website. Today, we have a very special guest, so buckle up, grab your pen and paper, and enjoy the ride. All right, we are officially live. Um, we are actually live live, Jared. So thank you for, for being willing to be a guinea pig on my, my live episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Well, you know, after guest number 40 something, uh, it's time <laughs> to finally go live, right? <laughs> Only 40 something. Um, Jared, again, thank you for jumping on. Um, to get everybody started, why don't you tell everybody you know, who you are, what you're doing, and how you got started in real estate in the first place. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Uh, my name is Jared Frost. I am the uh, founder, owner, lead broker of a uh, team called the Blue Pebble Group based in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Blue Pebble is a real estate company that offers brokerage through Blue Pebble Homes. Uh, we're also in the process of raising our first investment fund. Uh, we're going to be focusing on uh, fix and flips or fi flip that fix to rent or flip to sale. Uh, we also are launching a property manager and buying a company that I can't talk about right so, uh, you know, we've got a lot of things going on kind of with COVID and uh, we're just seeing a lot of opportunities. So, uh, you know, my team's Blue Pebble Group and uh, whenever you see the Blue Pebble brand, that's kind of what we do. Awesome. I love it. Um, so it sounds like you guys are kind of, you're in, you know, you got your fingers out there in different, different areas of real estate. Um, you got a property management company, you got a brokerage, um, you're doing fix and flips. Um, do you we're, also we're launching, we're launching the property manager, so we're not doing it quite yet. We'll, we'll probably be live by the end of the year. Uh, we finally got approval from our brokerage to do it. So, well, you hear, heard it first here, ladies and gentlemen, blue pebble group, they're going to be launching a property management side of their business. So, um, and do you guys also do buy and holds or is it uh, brokerage and fix and flips strictly? Uh, the capital that we currently have is uh, not buy and hold capital. It's uh, fix and flip, uh, fix and sell capital. Uh, we're also not seeing cap rates high enough in really the Denver area, even with some good yield on costs or even some good development spreads to get into a buy and hold strategy yet. So, uh, you know, we're, I guess, opportunistically looking for those types of investments. Realistically, you're going to be much more on the multifamily side, value add versus single family if you're doing buy and hold. Absolutely. We were talking about that um, on prior to the show. Uh, cap rates are super low. Um, Jared is from Denver. I'm from Seattle. Um, we're, we're, we're battling it out here. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure who's lower. Uh, I'm pretty sure like our single family cap rates are like five and a quarter or something like that. It's, right? just, it's just insane. Just yeah. ridiculous. Um, all right. So that's what you guys are doing now. Um, so how did you actually get started? You know, we don't, we're, we aren't born into real estate. Most of us aren't. Some people are, but we, I wasn't. Um, how did you get started in real estate investing? Yeah, uh, that's a circuitous route, my man. So uh, actually, my degrees are not real estate at all. Uh, my undergrad's in aerospace engineering, and my master's is in financial engineering. Uh, so I actually have a pretty high quantitative math background or quantitative finance background. Uh, started my career trading for Credit Suisse, uh, which is a major Swiss investment bank. Uh, actually traded derivatives from 2007 to 14 on Wall Street in New York. Uh, I was on a trading Damn. desk trading derivatives the day after Lehman. Uh, we could we could spend an entire hour talking about that. So uh, that is great, great background in you know uh, definitely market making, uh, you know macro investment, and really just kind of understanding you know a lot of what traders do. 
I had a great opportunity to transition into real estate when I moved to Denver. So uh, there's a company called Black Creek Group. Uh, Black Creek Group includes both Black Creek Capital uh, as well as Dividend Capital. Uh, Dividend Capital is probably what most people are familiar with. They are one of the biggest non-traded REIT platforms in the U.S., uh, and actually the second largest owner of industrial real estate behind Prologis. Uh, but you've never really heard of them, wow. so or at least in the United States. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I had the opportunity to work on their multifamily development platform. So we were doing, uh, you know, launching private equity funds, focusing on multifamily development in Mexico City and Monterey, Mexico. So got a great background in, you know, launching a developer, seeing kind of structuring tax implications. We also did some special situation underwriting on, uh, you know, some hospitality assets as well as some single family stuff. So really had a great background complementing my kind of Wall Street background with real estate development and private equity. Um, you know, had experience launching a fund with those guys. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, Black Creek kind of showed me what the real estate sector was like. Um, you know, I think everyone has a life story that isn't linear, right? And uh, <laughs> mine, mine was not after moving to Denver. And so, uh, you know, Black Creek was a great opportunity and it didn't last as long as I wanted it to. And so when, you know, had to start looking for another one, uh, at that point, I was totally pigeonholed. So uh, like all the private equity shops would tell me I was a real estate guy. Uh, all the real estate shops would tell me I was a private equity guy. Uh, all the non like PE, like, you know, public capital markets people were like, what the heck did you do in New York? And what's this financial engineering degree? Because Denver doesn't do that. Uh, and so, you know, here I am with 12 years of you know, institutional finance experience. And I, the best job I could find was paying me 40 grand as an analyst. So I was like, uh, no way. Uh, I will go and do it on my own. Didn't realize how hard it would be to like make 40 grand in your first year. Like, holy crap, I wish someone would have told me that. But, uh, you know, two or three years down, we, you know, things start, we start hitting our stride. We're growing the business now. So, like, I definitely don't regret it now. It was just definitely not, uh, was definitely underinformed <laughs> uh, when, I, when I went off and chose this path. I love it. No, that's uh, I love having people on who kind of did that path. It's it's similar to mine. Um, I was a management consultant in corporate, yeah. and I moved over, and I was like, oh, I can do this. But you know, it's a lot harder to start a business than. Uh, well, no, people do say it's hard. So I guess I can't. I, I we can't say that we weren't forewarned. But um, for everybody who are who is listening and watching and and are thinking about jumping, definitely do it. But know that it's harder than you you think it's going to be. Yeah, um, like, I'm in my fourth or fifth year now, and I've. I've only hit my goals never. Like I think my, <laughs> I think if I look at like my annual goals and like you know we we track our stuff every day. Like I'm always fifty percent behind my goals. So like if you're going off starting on in real estate and you're watching this, have great expectations, shoot for the stars, and also keep in mind like it's probably going to take a little bit longer to ramp up. Yep. Yep. I love it. But that doesn't mean don't, don't shoot for those stars because uh, you got to have those, those high goals in order to actually uh, get 50% of the way there. So I'm glad yeah. you're doing that. No, yeah. Shoot for it. The problem is like when I started, I was in the middle of a divorce and I only had $5,000. Like that was Oof. it. So like I had a month of expenses when I started my brokerage business and I knew 10 people in town since I had just moved to Denver, traveling to Mexico. So like as a res residential broker, I started in the worst environment ever, right? I had, I had no money, no network, didn't know any, like didn't even know the market because I was transacting in Mexico. So I had to learn everything simultaneously um, and basically had to close a deal a month and like every month to pay rent. So like my first 18 months in the business were close a deal, pay rent, close a deal, pay rent. 
Uh, and like, that's kind of how we had to do it. So if you're thinking about starting your business, please don't do it my way. Please do it with, <laughs> with like a lot more support behind you. So but the lesson there though, usually I ask this at, um, towards the end, but, um, sounds like that was, that was your Valley. And so the lesson there, it sounds like when you got your back against the wall, you will get it done. Um, no matter what you're going to push forward. So I love that you're on the other side there. Um, <laughs> going back to what you talked about earlier. Um, so it sounds like you, you started out in, in, uh, something that not many investors started out with, but I'm sure it's out there. Um, you have a great background in aerospace and, um, financial math. Um, you went on to wall street, you experienced the 2008 crash on wall street. That's, that's uh, that's very unique. That's had to have been an experience managing um, P and L, like actually with the trading book. So that was, uh, that was a real, yeah. The, we'll save that for another podcast. But that uh, that had to have been an experience. Um, and from that point on, you moved to Black Creek Group um, and you did multifamily investing in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different directions we can go here. Um, I think I'm going to choose the Mexico route because investing in internationally, investing, um, you know in multifamily that's out of country. Many mm-hmm. people have asked me about this. Um, so kind of tell us what is the process? What are the big um, you know, ups and downs, the lessons learned? How do you go about uh, investing in, well, I guess in Mexico, but internationally generally? Yeah, you know, and, and this is something I'm not currently doing. So I can speak it, I can speak to you from my experience, you know, at Black Creek. Obviously, you know, it's been at this point four or five years. So, you know, the the landscape in Mexico has definitely changed if you look at what's happened politically in the country, um, as well as what's going on with us. Uh, so I'll say, you know, let me you, give you more of a general framework uh, versus Mexico specific, because I'm really not an expert on that anymore. Okay. So, uh, you know, the one thing that really struck me about Black Creek's process, right, was it they didn't wake up and say, hey, I'm going to invest in Mexico, right? Like they've been investing in Mexico for, or they had been investing in Mexico for about, you know, at least. 20 years before I even started working there. And what ended up happening was, you know, their story is um, they were kind of doing their own deals, uh, you know, the founding partners and NAFTA got passed in 94. And really what happened was they realized that with NAFTA passing, they were, they kind of realized the, um, the offshoring that was going to happen with U.S. manufacturing down to Mexico. And so they got in in the late 90s um, and started doing industrial development. Uh, because they knew that there was going to need to be that industrial space for the manufacturing that was coming down as a result of NAFTA, right? What, what they did was they were successful in that platform, and then they realized that their biggest customer in industrial was Walmart. So, of course, they then do the retail <laughs> platform next, right? So, Walmart-based retail. So, that was MRP, Mexico Retail Properties. Um, and then after that, they realized, like, oh, great. Now everyone wants to be living where they're shopping. So, like, let's do Mira, which is a mixed-use platform, right? And so, like, all of their investment strategies have been based upon their experiences before and really just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what's worked. Now, unfortunately, we can't all have 25 years of experience to just, like, wake up one day and, like, figure out what's going to work, right? So the thing that impressed me about them, number one, was they are incredible at due diligence, right? And I would say this applies whether you're investing internationally, you know, commercial assets in the United States, or even just buying your house, right? Like money in real estate is made and lost on the buy, period. And if you're buying bad, you're losing, you're going to lose money, period. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? So diligence is what you need to do. Uh, when you're investing internationally, you need to do more than just the real estate diligence. And that's where a lot of people get caught up, right? So you get a lot of real estate 
the experts coming in and they're really great at the real estate, right? So what is the asset? What are the rents? Like what, like what does my pro forma look like? They forget the wrapper around it, right? So when you're investing in country like, countries like Mexico, like uh, what is the balance of tenant landlord rights? Like what does the eviction process look like? It's gonna be very different than the United States. How do you underwrite that? How do you mitigate that risk? How do you structure your contracts um, you know, whether it's your leases, your vendors, your GCs, like how do you, you have to restructure everything for local law, right? Additionally, you also need to keep in mind that there are going to be um, tax consequences based on how you structure both in country and out of country. So, uh, you know, it's not just the real estate. So I would say investing in, uh, internationally, make sure you've really done diligence on the legal framework. So you understand, you know, also know that as a non, as a non nat or as an international investor, uh, realistically, if push came to shove in that country's legal system, like they're probably going to cut you out, right? Like they're going to take they're going to take care of the guys who are domestic. So um, you have to make sure that you're doing it the right way. I would even suggest finding a really great local partner. Uh, that's something that Black Creek did as well, and uh, you know they've been successful. So at least those are the highlights that I, that I think I remember from my time. Awesome, I love it. So for those who are interested in investing internationally, it sounds like the big hurdles that you kind of that don't um, often pop into your your head when you're investing um, locally is that you really have to take into consideration the legality, the the legal structure that is um, that is involved in the local area, um, as well as the tax implications and um, just de- culture demographics. Um, you really have to know the area itself. And I know this this applies. It doesn't matter matter where you're buying it, it'll apply to a house you buy next door. Um, but I mean, you do have to be a little bit more do you have to do, do a little bit more upfront, um, you know, make sure that you get your due diligence done um, with your taxes and your legal implications, because you don't know what could happen. Um, and especially when you're in, investing internationally, uh, they're always going to look out for their own. So um, you, you got to watch out there. Yeah. And the other thing too, sorry, is also you got to make sure that you're paying attention to foreign exchange, right? So yeah. You know, and that's something a lot of other people don't think about when they're structuring the deal with their investors, right? So like, how is your promote base? Is it a dollar-based promote or is it a local currency promote? So like, for example, you know, if you're looking at a country like Mexico, where, you know, the forward curve would assume that their currency is going to depreciate against the dollar over the next five or 10 years, you know, if you assume that exchange rates get worse for you coming back in the United States, like, how do you structure that, right? So there are just a lot of other complications that you need to think about. Um, And I'm, I'm sorry for cutting it off. But foreign exchange is probably another thing that I would add to that list. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, So, you know, you had a lot of experience uh, investing internationally with Black Creek Group, but then you made the jump, you became an entrepreneur, you started your own business. Um, So let's take it from there. Uh, You've since then you've gone into fix and flips, um, property management, uh, soon to be and brokerage. Um, so any investor that's going to be watching the show, you know, the investing process starts with finding the deal. Um, and that's really the, the, the hurdle that most investors they run into. So, um, I mean, you've had a lot of, uh, success with fix and flips and even on the brokerage side, which means that you're, you're good at inbound marketing. Um, you're good at, at, at finding those deals somehow. So what is the best way that you found, um, to bring in the leads to your business? Time, coffee, beer. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I want to write a book and the title of the book is going to be build your coffee, build your business with coffee and beer. And, that, and that's literally it, right? So um, I would tell you that there's no, for at least our business, and I'm sure you've had other guests that would probably say something very different than what I'm about to tell you. Um, you know, I have not found a good, cheap, easy way to identify decent leads. Like uh, mailer campaigns, in my opinion, don't have ROI. 
ROI. Facebook for sellers doesn't have ROI. You know, most of the leads that we've found are a result of the broker network that we spend a lot of time investing in or, uh, you know, just relationships that we've built in town. So, um, you know, that is coffee, beer, shaking hands, doing Zoom calls, whatever. I mean, it really is over the course of four or five years, uh, you know, building a network large enough and a brand, you know, good enough that people are willing to refer us transactions. So, uh, I would say most, some of the best relationships that people can be pursuing. Uh, so if you are trying to originate on your, on your own, uh, obviously number one, I got to give a plug for all brokers out there. I am one. I always thought brokers had no value. Like I was a trader, like what does a broker do? Nothing. Right. So, um, <laughs> I was convinced brokers had no value and I actually struggled with that for the first couple of years of me being a broker. And, uh, what I've realized is that brokers who are good actually do have a lot of value. So, uh, the, the easiest way for an investor to originate deals is to build relationships with brokers who are actually doing business, right? So if you're an investor who has capital, is not going to mess around, like I would be happy to speak with you because, you know, if I show you a deal, you're going to give me a quick answer. It's yes or no. If it's yes, I know you're interested. Like, let's move forward. Those are great calls. And there are not a lot of investors that play by those rules. I only have a couple and they're always my first call, Right. Um, and you want to be the first call, not the second. If you're not going to be, if you're not going to be investing in building an external broker network, um, some of the best relationships that you can create are with trust and estate attorneys. So, uh, trust and estate attorneys, as well as probate attorneys, are the ones that are helping families manage that process. Now, a lot of times, those attorneys need to act as fiduciaries, and as a result, when you're helping them, you also need to act as a fiduciary if you're a broker. Um, as an investor, though, uh, you have different rules if you're not licensed or if you're not participating as a listing agent, um, you know, to kind of get some of those deals because, you know, there are old people that died, typically not updated, you know, there's some work to do. And, uh, you know, most of the next gen doesn't really care about the extra five or 10%. They just want to get their money now. So like those are right for kind of, you know, cash deal fix and flips. I love it. Um, so, I mean, two things have popped into my mind. For one, you're definitely not the first person that said relationships is where real, uh, real estate is. And that's not to denigrate you, but to say that, relationship or real estate really is a relationship business. Um, and so just like Jared said, um, if you want to build your business, beer and coffee, I love that. That is a great title for a book, by the way. Um, beer and coffee, go out, you know, meet people, meet brokers, um, start networking. That is a great way to get started. It's amazing what comes out of your network once you start to really put effort into it. Like, um, just and for example, Bob, so just so we can give people contacts, like I had 500 networking appointments last year. Wow. So like I was averaging two coffees or beers a day, every single business day of 2019. Wow. So like that's, that's how much time and effort I put into building my network and my relationships, right? Obviously 2020 different with COVID, but um, you know, those are not relationships that you can just happen once. Like those are, those take years and like, it takes a lot of effort, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 500 that I've never heard a broker or anybody in the, in the business give a number to it. And that is, that is a lot. That's uh, I mean, that's more than one a day. So um, that's impressive. That's a lot of beer. That's, I mean, that's, you've got to be running a lot to keep the shape there. Hell yeah. Well, no, dude, it's just coffee and beer, right? No carbs, right? If you just, <laughs> if you just do coffee and beer, like you're good, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't order off the menu. You just coffee and beer. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Your kidneys love you. Your liver loves you, man. I mean, that's exactly how to go. Um, another thing you said was, uh, probate, um, probate leads, you know, I've done this myself, but I've actually, you know, gone to the courthouse. Um, you mentioned actually networking with trust and estate attorneys, um, which I've never heard of surprisingly. That's actually a really good idea. Um, so 
can you, I mean, as a broker, you can do this. You also recommend that just regular investors who are not, they're not brokers, um, but they have money and they're looking to buy properties. Um, you think this is also a good method for them to go about finding um, probate leads? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, the, you know, one, not only the attorneys, right? Because the attorneys sometimes are getting a lot of junk mail. Uh, the other thing I would suggest that you do is go after the paralegals, right? All so right. like the paralegals are the people that like never get any attention whatsoever because they're paralegals. They're not attorneys, right? The paralegals are though the ones typically going to the courthouses. They're the ones like doing the filings, doing the paperwork. They're doing all the grunt work. They know exactly where all the stuff is. So if you're trying to get in with an attorney or in with a law firm and you can't get in, get in with the paralegal first because there's no way they're not going to take your meeting, right? No one's reaching out to them, okay? Um, what you can do as an investor, right, is very simple. So, you know, sometimes families don't care about money. Like sometimes if you had a, let's, I mean, our average price point Denver is like around 400,000, right? So a lot of these probate deals, uh, assuming that you need to put a fix on it, are going to be somewhere around 300 grand. Right. So like some people, like if you do an off market deal for 275 and that closes in two weeks, cash done. Right. Some people will just take that because they don't want to deal with the BS of like, you know, oh, like, I, you know, for whatever reason, emotional, not like I just don't want to deal with it. I don't care about 325. Just give me 275 now. Right. And so those attorneys will know that because they're the ones talking to their client. And so I think it's a very easy conversation to build this network with these guys. It's look. If your guys want to hire a broker, but at the end of the day, all they want is a cash offer and close quickly with like no stress, just give me a call. Like don't pay a broker to like list your property and do all this. Like they won't pay commissions. They won't do anything. The number I give them will be the number they cash. Like I'll pay their closing costs. I'll, we'll bake it into the deal. I'm going to make this as easy as possible for you guys, right? Uh, you basically just make yourself an eye buyer for every single trust in the state or probate attorney in your city. And like, how could you not get deals out of Yep. I, I love it that, uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm surprised I haven't thought of it myself before, but uh, I'm glad you brought it here. Cause that is a, that's a great wisdom gem that you shared. Um, I'm going to move us on a little bit. Um, so we've heard a little bit about your business. We've heard of some, some great, uh, advice on investing internationally. Um, and then just trusting estate attorneys. That's the one I'm, I'm taking out of this personally. So um, I want to go into your experiences a little bit. Um, you already touched on, you know, the, one of the low periods you had. Um, but we always talk about the real estate roller coaster. Um, real estate is a roller coaster. It goes up, it goes down. doesn't matter how good you are. You're always going to hit the low points. You're always going to hit the high points. Um, so kind of take us back, I suppose, to that low point um, or to a different low point and just tell us what was the best lesson that you pulled from that one? Oh, man. <laughs> huh. Uh, you know, I would say I had a really tough, uh, my life was pretty tough from about, and by the way, like this is everyone, it's all perspective, right? I mean, I'm very grateful. I've got, I've done a lot of work on gratitude. To. And I, I now, I mean, that's been probably the biggest thing for me over the last 18 months is just appreciating all the abundance that life has, right? Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I think for me, you know, um, I went through an experience on Wall Street in 2011 where uh, I was affiliated with trading books that lost $100 million in the, in the last quarter of the year. So we, we had a very big position built up ahead of the, uh, the, the debt ceiling debacle, um, and needless to say, I'm not a tea party fan because they totally screwed the pooch there. And, uh, <laughs> if you go back and look at the S and P, you're going to notice some chop for about a week after that kind of 
count five, there was at the shop for some week, a week and then we kind of went off. Uh, that shop, uh, I'm not going to take credit for it, but that was me and Goldman Sachs. So um, that was us getting tapped out of a pretty big position at that point in time. And so I, I had had kind of this legacy stress built up. Um, you know, Black Creek was great and, you know, awesome experience. And unfortunately, not an experience that didn't end the way that I wanted it to. Um, and, you know, that was a stressful experience as well. I was in the middle of a divorce. My, uh, so when I was starting my business, so like my marriage was crumbling. Uh, my business partners were my realtors when I moved out to Denver, who were also best friends of my ex-father-in-law. So what ended up happening was when I got separated, uh, they led me to believe that this was going to be okay. Obviously, it wasn't. Uh, but they led me to believe it for too long. So it was negotiated into my settlement agreement. Uh, and then what ended up happening was like we talked about, you know, I got spit out and, uh, kind of launched my company in the middle of December, 2016, because that's when that kind of dissolved terrible time to start real estate. And <laughs> I picked up the phone on January 3rd, uh, and just started my cold calling for four hours a day. And like I said, you know, this was cold calling and coffee appointments and cold calling and coffee appointments until I found a deal, got on the market. Uh, my first listing ever at Blue Pebble was a cold call to an expired in Kiowa, Colorado. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Kiowa, Colorado is, it's an hour and a half southeast of Denver. Uh, it is in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but I drove an out. I'd never done a farm. I've never done a farm deal before. Never done like a horse deal. It was a horse property in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, I just need to, I need to eat. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, that was like terrible, like just a terrible experience, but we got it cashed. And so the learning lesson, I think, from all this, right, is um, I think if you put your head down and you isolate and you make your focus very narrow, you can get pretty much through anything, right? Like there was a lot of stress, a lot of other stuff going on with me. Uh, this is, you know, a pretty, this was the end, you know, 2016 was the end of a multi-year fall for me in terms of kind of what Wall Street happened and kind of how that all went down. And what I would say is, that, you know, my life got very simple, right? It was find an agency and do everything you need to do until you get an agency signed, right? And that's basically what I did. And so, uh, you know, I think the learning lesson for me was when life gets hard, focus, right? Because you can focus on the one thing that you need to do or the one leading indicator or the one thing you need to move. There's a great book called uh, Four Disciplines of Execution. If you've never read that book or heard of it, uh, everyone should be buying a copy right now because it's just an incredible book in terms of how to, how to put that focus in and what goals to be focusing on. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that was a really great transformative experience. And so, uh, uh, you know, funnily, anecdotally, uh, so I got uh, um, one of my friends for a wedding present, uh, gave me a credit Swiss gold bar, you know, it's like one of those little, uh, one ounce gold bars. And it said credit Swiss on it. It's like, haha, like, here you go. Remember memories. Right. Um, and so, uh, luckily my ex had forgotten about that is when we were kind of dividing our property. So, you know, I, I had this thing like, you know, that, you know, I, hey, an ounce of really, gold. That's, that's worth of something. I had an ounce of gold. I had 1500 bucks. Right. And so, uh, I literally told myself, uh, I'm going to spend every dollar I have to make Blue Pebble work. And if I spend all that money and it doesn't, I've got this gold bar. This will be my gas money back to Chicago and I'll move in with my parents. And that was, I, that was literally it. So. I love it. I mean, it, you know, it sounds like you went through one of the most trying experiences anybody could experience. Um, I mean, just, you know, very, very 
you know, it's, it's one of the troughs. It's one of the troughs of life, but you came out the other side. Um, you had this gold bar, you said, I'm going to burn my bridges. I'm going to do what I set out to do. If it doesn't work, I got this bold gold bar. It's going to take me home. Um, and one of the things that I pulled out of that is that you said you did four hours of cold calling um, a day in order to get this going. And that is, uh, that's very inspirational because if anybody has ever done cold calling before, it is hard. Um, getting no's so often can be, uh, can be draining. So four hours just goes to show you is if you focus and you just keep pressing on, um, something's going to happen. You're going to get to the other side. Um, you're going to create Blue Pebble Group, which now has multiple <laughs> brokerage, fix and flip, and property management company coming soon. Um, so I'm glad you're on the other side. I'm glad you're here with us today. Thank you, man. Um, and I will say, say, if you don't mind me interrupting really quick, you know, the cold calling is not that bad. Like, I get why people don't like doing it. And I totally get why, uh, you know, I totally get why people put up a fight, right? Um, however, it's an incredibly efficient tool. Uh, even when they say "f you," don't ever call me, Ben. Hang up. Like they'll never remember you ever, right? Um, and I would even argue that when most people are cold calling, and this is something I've been coaching my team on, you know, when most people cold call, they're calling for sales, right? Hey. Uh, I see, or whatever, right? Uh, hi, this is Jerry Frost with Keller Williams Realty. I recently noticed that your home fell off the MLS and undoubtedly I'm calling today to find out when you're planning on hiring the right agent for the next, or for the job to sell your house, right? That's a script all the Keller Williams agents, right? That's a sales script, right? If you approach it where you're trying to help people, hey, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, look, I'm sure you're getting dozens of calls out there right now and I'm, I'm not the first call you're getting. I am the first call that's going to tell you why your house didn't sell. Do you have five minutes to just talk? to have a conversation with me about it, right? Oh yeah, that's, that's crazy, right? If you approach it from contribution, if you approach it from abundance, if you approach it from building relationships, building rapport, right? Separating yourself from the other 80 idiots who are making that same call, you will have success, right? It's just that requires a higher level of knowledge. It requires a higher level of care. And most of the people in our industry can't do it. And that's why they complain about it, right? But if you want to build a database, if you want to build a nurture funnel, if you want to build a pipeline, there is no better way to do that besides cold calling, period. I love it. And I like that you said, uh, I, I mean, cold calling, when I first got into it, I did, I did, uh, we uh, do mul or mobile home and RV parks. That's what our specialty is here. So um, I've called plenty of park owners. And uh, when I first started, it was just, it dragged on me. But you're absolutely right. Um, if you approach it from a, a perspective of giving um, for just, you know, I'd pick up the phone and I'd go, hey, um, I don't know, you guys own this park. I, I've noticed you own this park. Are you interested in knowing what it's what the value is? Um, we we evaluate properties and we're I just thought I'd give you a call to see if you're interested in getting getting the estimation. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times people will be like, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, what is it? Um, so then I take them through the script and, and if you approach it from that giving perspective, from the abundance perspective, it definitely makes it a lot easier and it works. Um, so I'm glad you said that. And you don't um, get F you. Yeah, like, exactly. People don't say F you. They'll just say, hey, take me off your list, right? I mean, because, you know, you're really trying, you're coming from contribution. Like no one's going to say F you for trying to help me, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, awesome, Jared. Well, we are closing out on the very end here. Um, before we leave, though, I want to say thank you very much for coming on. I appreciated all the wisdom you shared. I'm sure everybody that's listening and watching did as well. Dude, um, thank you, and, man. <laughs> absolutely absolutely um if somebody wanted to get in contact with you what would be the best way for them to do that yeah i appreciate that so uh my email address is jfrost like my name j f r o s t at 
bluepebblere.com. So it looks like bluepebbler.com. Uh, the other way to call me is to call our office line at 720-526-2583. Uh, Shelby should pick up, uh, who is our amazing client relations manager. If you call during business hours, just ask for me. Uh, otherwise, if you catch, catch us outside business hours, uh, just feel free to find me on our directory. It should be really simple. Uh, you'll get connected with me straight away. Perfect. So there you go. If you want to get in contact with Jared, go to bluepebblere, bluepebbler.com. Um, or reach out to him on the phone. Or if you'd like, I'm going to put his LinkedIn um, profile in the show notes. You can click through there as well. Awesome. Um, well, thanks, dude. I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. For everybody listening and watching, we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Thank you for joining us on the Real Estate Investing Club. If you feel we've provided value, we would appreciate it if you hit that thumbs up, share it with your friends online, whatever it may be. If you'd like to share or partner with us on an investment deal, we are always looking for quality projects. Go to www.therealestateinvestingclub.com to get in contact with one of our partners. Otherwise, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic day and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.